This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Just a couple of minutes ago, I was encouraging you to give us feedback on our show. We're always encouraging you to share your thoughts on our programming, but there are lots of ways that the community can shape the kind of work that AMI does. So let's learn about that with AMI Communications Specialist, Greg David. Hey, good morning, Greg. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to chat with you. I feel like it's been a long, long time. So, Greg, today we're talking about the research panel. I've seen a couple ads popping up on social media for it. So how does the research panel figure into the way in which we craft content at AMI? It's a great question. I'm glad that you mentioned that the ads are out there. It means that, uh, that we're doing our jobs if the ads are out there and causes you to ask about it. So the AMI research panel, it's really a group of almost 2,000 people now that really shape the programming that we have on AMI, whether that's the podcast that we create, the television shows that we make, or or the AMI audio programs like Now with Dave Brown. Uh, it, it's really an integral part of, of how we do our jobs and, and create the content for our community. So this is a chance for people to really get involved here and share their thoughts from an even broader perspective. What does being a part of the research panel involve or entail for someone who wants to become part of it? Yeah, so I mean, from a practical point of view, uh, you know, you you give us your name and, and contact information, and then uh, we team you up with with uh, with a company um, that will uh, you know either give you an email survey or uh, online survey, or they'll even give you a phone call if you prefer it that way. But there really are three ways where you actually participate in. Uh, you know, we'll we'll show you the pilot episode of a brand new show and say, you know, what do you like about this? Uh, what do you not like about it? From a from a, a storytelling standpoint? Do you feel as though members of the blind and partially sighted community are being fairly represented? Are we telling your story? And as we expand, we're, we're looking for uh, members of the disability community to join the panel as well uh, as we expand our programming to, to involve you know all parts of the disability community. So that's kind of the latest thing is that if you're a member of the disability community as well as the blind and partially sighted community, we'd love it if you joined the AMI research panel and helped us out. Yeah, it's a priority that we've had on the show for a couple of years now, trying to think about disability disability as a more of a the pen disability experience, right? Not just thinking about blind yeah. and low vision as the way we frame our conversations about disability, but including a multitude of disabilities in the perspectives that are that are shared on this show. Greg, I think it's it's self-evident. I, I think it's really laid out in what the research panel is, but but make the sales pitch here. Why should somebody participate? Because you are directly going to influence what we put on our channels. I think that that's the message that I want to get across is, you know, I feel as though sometimes people just don't think that their names are heard when it comes to, you know, being critical or being even positive about the programming that, that they're being shown or, or being offered uh, is being offered to them. But, I mean, we take this very seriously. These up to 2,000 people have a voice and help in the direction of the programming that AMI provides. And I don't think I can stress that enough. Oh, and I forgot. Uh, the other uh, reason for participating is you do get paid to participate hey. if, uh, if you want. Yeah. But besides that, you really are helping shape what we make. <laughs> We're not in this for the money, but money is a nice money is a nice uh, little bonus there on the, on the back end. Uh, Greg, I think you did a nice job setting this up. I'm sure there's a few people whose ears have been perked by this. Where should they go if they're interested and they want to sign up? Yeah, you can go to our website, ami.ca slash 
slash research panel, all one word. So again, that's ami.ca slash research panel. And that's where you can get more information about the panel and you can also sign up. And there's also a phone number there that you can call if you have more questions. Right on. And I'm sure if people use uh, those other points of, of feedback that we give regularly on the show, that'll trickle down to you guys as well if they do want to get involved too. So ami.ca slash research panel. But don't forget, there's all those other points of contact that we hit you with every single day. Hey, Greg, I want to pick up on something that you and I touched on so, so briefly last time we spoke. All week long, we've found ourselves talking about Canadian content and the role it plays in our consumption habits as consumers. But it has me thinking about the importance of local production to building a better TV and film industry in the country, or at least a more robust one. I've been thinking about this as my uh, friend's wife has been out in Newfoundland filming Hudson and Rex as well as a Lifetime movie. I think about the major WB shows that were filmed in Vancouver for years and years, or all the Hallmark and Lifetime movies that get made all across the country. For years, you've been covering the industry as a journalist. So I can't think of anybody to offer a better perspective on this. So let's start here. How much of a rolling stone does that create for an industry in these locales to be building around these shows? Oh, it's huge. I mean, you mentioned Hudson and Rex off the top, and and I'll have a question for you in a second about that. But, uh, you know, when a show like Hudson and Rex, which is uh, created by Shaftesbury and, and airs on City TV here in Canada, and is sold in, it's available in hundreds of countries around the world, it just puts that spotlight on St. John's, Newfoundland, where they film it. Um, they make no bones about the fact that they're in St. John's, and they're always showing those locales. So, yeah, it really puts a spotlight on the Canadian television industry, and St. John's in particular. And I mean, that has a not only the effect of production companies or, or projects want to come and film in that area, but also the impact that tourism has. You know, people that want to go to St. John's and they want to do those set visits and say, oh, you know, Hudson and Rex was filmed in front of this building or they went here. Uh, you know, so it's an untold amount of money that gets brought into into, uh, you know, into the local community with a, with a show like Hudson and Rex. And my question for you is, you know, I don't know if you can reveal this or not, but what does your friend's wife do for Hudson and Rex? Uh, well, she's just brought she got brought on for sort of a, a spot appearance. Her name's uh, Katie Breyer. She's a she's okay. a great Canadian actor. Um, she currently played a role in The Boys. She played the uh, Deep's fiance on The Boys. And oh, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's a great, great actor. She's really emerging. She's really blowing up right now. So she had a bit of a, a spot a spot role, and then while she was out there, landed the Lifetime movie role that happened to be filming as well. So she's uh, just a phenomenal actor and a great writer, a producer as well. She's uh, she's really going places, and I, I'll give Katie Breyer all the love in the world for the work that she does out there in, in, in the the film industry and TV industry. You know, I think that you bring up a really good point about that as well. You know, um, the the industry, the acting industry tends to be pretty small here in Canada. And that's the other thing is that, you know, you mentioned Katie being on The Boys, you know, filmed in southern Ontario and then moving to Hudson and Rex out in St. John's and then being, you know, being part of this Lifetime movie now. And I think that that's a big thing. I think a show like Murdoch Mysteries especially uh, really builds that uh, kind of talent uh, because people uh, appear on an episode of Murdoch Mysteries and then, you know, that attracts people to the oh, let's get them for this show and let's get them for this show. So I'd say that Murdoch Mysteries and now Hudson and Rex are kind of the place where it's kind of the, um, you know, it, it really just adds to your IMDb page if you've been on those two Canadian shows and it opens up doors to other projects. Mm. Uh, let's keep talking about trickle-down effects here because you mentioned how these projects and these emerging industries may have people flocking to those locations, but what about some of the more sustainable developmental elements? Is there a trickle down to say creating more TV and film schools in those places, more local production companies, more festivals potentially? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great question. I mean, it, you know, that and that's happened in Toronto, the number of, of local production companies that have, have opened up just in the in the last five to seven years, and down in the Portlands, you know, setting aside area for massive studios to be built. But even on a smaller scale, you know, looking at the Ottawa Valley, not too far away from me, because of the Hallmark uh, Christmas movies that are being oh filmed gosh, in the yeah. area all the time. <laughs> there are there are these small like mom and pop production companies that are opening up as a result of that and people getting into the industry because you know as long as these hallmark movies continue to be filmed in the area there's going to be a need for costumes there's going to be a need for for camera grips and people with equipment so you know uh you know to 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 have that come into an area and then inspire others to open up the open up you know their own businesses to support that is great and then even the education side of things there's a tvo drama series that was filmed several years ago called um hard rock medical that filmed up in north bay and they actually signed up with canador college to uh to help uh, you know students were actually learning to make tv on the set of the show so you could sign up for the the program at canador and then you actually part of your your student uh you know your student your studies were uh, took place there on the set of hard rock medical oh. Oh so there gosh. you are learning hands-on while you're making a, a TV show and getting your education. That's so practical. That was one of the things that I loved about the radio experience uh, in radio school in Ontario, where all, yeah. the, all the radio schools have their own radio station. You literally run a radio station to get your reps. It, it's like That's how people learn to do these yeah. things. Yeah, and it was the same when I took print journalism at Sheridan College in Oakville. In this, the first year of the program, we were writing the news stories for the school paper, and the second year, we were making the newspaper and editing it. And that's how you learn. And I think that's why, you know, Canador especially. And I know they've got it. There's a school uh, in uh, in Sault Ste. Marie that's doing the same thing. It's just so great to have boots on the ground and have these kids learn, you know, hands on while they're on a set of a television show or a, or a TV movie. Greg, we talked about some positives here, but I wonder if I can at least throw in one note of potential cynicism because we know. It can take years to build these industries and these locales. How quickly can they dry up? I remember Montreal was a real hub in the mid-2000s, like a huge, huge hub. The movie 300 was filmed there. They were making X-Men movies in Montreal. There was all kinds of stuff going on, but it feels like maybe that's softened. How quickly can this fall apart? Yeah, it, Montreal's definitely softened, but I wouldn't say that it's dead because there are international um, there are international production companies that are coming to to Montreal to film. Uh, there was a show on Bravo several years ago called 192. There was a cop oh, yeah. drama that yeah, was yeah. filmed in, in yeah for four seasons. But most recently, uh, Dennis Leary comedy that aired on Fox for two seasons with Jay Baruchel in it called The Moody's filmed in Montreal. So you know the, it, it may have backed off a little bit, but it's by no means dead in the area and i think that you know as as toronto has really really grown and it's been harder and harder to find sound stages or or just the people to um, to be employed on these projects they are looking elsewhere so places like hamilton and branford and london and windsor are starting to to gain more productions because they're away from toronto and that there are places to film but also they're heading eastward so you know places like um, like montreal and, and quebec city are picking up the slack as well and certainly nova scotia too so i think that you you know, as as the industry continues to grow and evolve in this country, it only just helps those smaller communities. Greg, 90 seconds left here on the clock. You mentioned the possibility of tourism related to shows. Have you ever visited a place specifically because a show was filmed there? I would be tempted to go to a place like Albuquerque because of the Breaking Bad connection. 
Yeah, that would be a great one. I haven't done one. I mean, because of my journalism background and writing for TV Guide Canada for so many years, I was actually visiting the sets of shows that I watched. So, you, <laughs> you know, Vikings. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. doing it as part of my job. But one that I would love to do would be The Handmaid's Tale, um, just because they filmed so much in southern Ontario around Cambridge and Brantford, Ontario and St. George, Ontario, all areas, communities that I grew up in. So I would love to, whenever they f- showed pictures of, of kind of behind the scenes of where they were filming, I'd like to, to, to maybe do The Handmaid's Tale um, and work that into uh, mm. a visit with my parents so they don't feel guilty. That's that's cool. Yeah, for me, I, I, I wouldn't mind going back out to British Columbia because uh, I have some family on the Sunshine Coast and famously the mm. Beachcombers was, uh, yes. was made up around there. And uh, there's a great brewery called the Persephone Brewery, which is named after the boat from the Beachcombers. So it's awesome. all these things. All these things are connected. Hey, Greg, thank you for making time and thank you for indulging my curiosity on this one. I'm super appreciative. Oh, no problem. I am happy to talk about behind the scenes of Canadian TV and the TV industry anytime you want, Dave. I mean, that's your background, right? So I love I love when we get a chance to get that expert expertise and insight. Greg, thank you for this. Have a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks a lot, Dave. That's Greg David. He's a communications specialist for AMI, joining us from Chelsea, Quebec. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.